Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers, once called Jesus our glorious Boaz as he thought about the sweet romance between Boaz and Ruth. Like Boaz, Jesus is kind to us. Like Boaz, Jesus satisfies our needs completely. Like Boaz, Jesus elevates our status. Like Boaz, Jesus is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Like Boaz, Jesus shares his wealth with us. And like Boaz, Jesus prays for us. Are you surprised by God's favor? Are you gripped by his grace in your life? Like Ruth, you and I were strangers and outsiders until Jesus, our glorious Boaz, redeemed us and made us his own. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. A picture inside a picture on this Friday edition of Something Good. Hello, Brian Davis here. Welcome to another day of teaching with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Today, Ron takes us to the book of Ruth, a story of romance and redemption that gives us a beautiful illustration of a bigger picture, which is God's redemption of all those who believe in Christ. Stay with us here or stop by our new digital streaming platform at somethinggoodradio.org to listen to the broadcast on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Download or subscribe to the podcast at Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. From road trip number two of his teaching series, Route 66, the ultimate road trip through the Bible, here's Ron with today's message, Ruth, Romance, and Redemption. Robert Silvers is an artist who combined uh, digital technology and photography into what he calls uh, photo mosaic art. Any of you familiar with photo mosaic art? A photo mosaic is a big photograph that is actually made up of thousands and thousands of tiny little photographs. The idea is to view the big picture from a distance and kind of get a sense of what it is. But then as you draw closer to the artwork, you see these tiny pictures, uh, tiny photographs that, that make up uh, the bigger picture. Silvers invented his unique technology while he was a student at the MIT Media Lab, and uh, his career just took off from there. He dazzled the art world. He won numerous awards. He includes among his corporate clients uh, companies like uh, MasterCard and Disney. He's done photo mosaic artwork in Life Magazine and put it on display there. He has uh, uh, his art on display all around the world. Now, what does that have to do with the ultimate road trip through the Bible? I'm glad you asked because like a photo mosaic, the book of Ruth is a little picture inside a much bigger picture. It's a little story, just only four chapters, a little story about romance and redemption inside God's larger story about his uh, redeeming love for us. And it is a fabulous, fabulous book. I have uh, given you in your notes a chart. I've been charting my way through the Bible in case you haven't noticed, trying to get a 30,000 foot view of each book of the Bible. And there in your notes in the book of Ruth is a chart where I've broken these four chapters into two main sections. Chapters one and two is really about bitterness and blessing. We're gonna meet 
a widow named Naomi, and she arrives back in Bethlehem, the land from which uh, she left a decade earlier, and she is bitter. She says, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. Mara means bitterness. Um, Naomi means pleasant, and well, she left Pleasantville a long, long time ago. Chapters three and four are all about romance and redemption. In the first two chapters, the main characters are Naomi and Ruth, and in the last two chapters, the main characters are Ruth and Boaz, and you might even want to add in there a baby named Obed. We'll come back to there, because this, this story has a surprising twist at the end that makes it all come into clearer focus as we look at this beautiful biblical photo mosaic. Now, historical context matters in the book of Ruth, and you kind of get the sense that the human author, who many people believe to be the prophet Samuel, who penned this book under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, that he believes that historical context matters again. This story does not start once upon a time, like a fairy tale. It starts with these seven words, in the days when the judges ruled. In the days when the judges ruled. Remember last week, the book of Judges? Uh, that uh, book that was all about Israel's dark ages, and we even peeked inside the dark, depraved human heart, and our souls were jarred a little bit. Well, in the midst of those days, those days that lasted 350 years, there was a bright light, a beautiful story about romance and redemption that took place during that time. Ruth's story is a reminder that good and evil, light and darkness, the wheat and the tares, <laughs> can and do coexist. And aren't you glad that this week, after a week like last week in the book of Judges, we, we, we have a, a romantic story, a love story to talk about here that has a whole lot more to do uh, with than uh, first meets the eye. The book of Ruth is, is history, it's romance, it's prophecy, Bible prophecy, and it's theology all rolled into one. It's better than a fairy tale because it actually happened in real time, in real history. These are real people that lived during the time of the judges, and uh, we get to glimpse into their story. Ruth begins with a famine, and it ends with the birth of a baby and the promise of God uh, restated and, and, and hope for tomorrow, not only for the people of this time, but also for people like you and me. Let's begin in chapter 1 and verse 1 where it tells us, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Epaphrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there, but Elimelech the husband of Naomi died, and she was left with her two sons. These two sons took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah. No, not Oprah. I think Oprah misspelled her name if she got it from here. It's Orpah. Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. They lived there about 10 years, and both Malon and Kilion died so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Wow, uh, what, what, what a way to start a, a story. No wonder Naomi is just a little bit torqued. She comes back 
to Bethlehem, uh, her hometown, that place from which she left to go to a foreign country, to Moab. Why? Because of a famine. Her husband Elimelech probably said, hey, I think there's food and famine. I can better take care of my uh, food in Moab, rather. I can better take care of my family there. So uh, they went to Moab. Uh, she was there for 10 years, and during her 10 years, um, loss after loss after loss. First, her husband Elimelech dies. And then uh, she, she uh, is there for the weddings of her two sons who marry foreign women, Moabite women, Orpah and Ruth. But then her, her sons die. And now it's just the three women in a culture that is not very friendly uh, to women. A woman's security at that time was tied to her husband. And so they find themselves in a very vulnerable place, poor, destitute, Naomi wakes up one day and says, uh, girls, I think I need to go home. And they begin the journey from Moab back to Bethlehem. And somewhere in the middle of that journey, she turns to uh, Orpah and to Ruth and says, girls, I, I think you need to go back to your homeland, to Moab, and find husbands for you there. And they have a conversation along the way. And, and uh, uh, Orpah says to Ruth, um, okay, I'll go back. Orpah goes back to the pagan country from which she came. Keep that in mind. But then Ruth declares her loyalty to her mother-in-law with some of the most beautiful words of commitment found in the Old Testament. I'm still in chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Ruth turns to Naomi at that pivotal place in her life, uh, the fork in the road, we might say. And she says, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. Wow. What, what a statement of, of, of commitment here. And these are appropriate words for a young bride and groom standing at the altar to speak to one another, just words of loyalty and words of commitment. It's, it's starting to sound uh, well, better than a Hallmark movie, <laughs> or for those of you a little bit older, a little better than a Harlequin romance, all right? I mean, this, this, is, this is good stuff. A beautiful foreign girl becomes a widow when her husband dies unexpectedly. She moves to Bethlehem with her grieving mother-in-law, who is also a widow and a little bitter because of her recent losses. Together they are poor, they are vulnerable. Life looks better for them in Bethlehem, but they face a very uncertain future. And when Naomi and Ruth arrive back in Bethlehem, Naomi suggests to Ruth, you need to go to work, honey. We need some food on the table. And so Ruth goes to work. She begins gleaning in the fields to help put food on the table which the law of Moses allowed the poor and foreigners to do. You can cross-reference Leviticus chapter 19 for um, the provision in the law of Moses for foreigners and, and the poor. In those days, gleaning in the fields was a little bit like standing in line for food stamps. You know, you were just, you're just picking up the scraps left on the edges of the field. The gleaners could take for themselves those portions and Ruth finds herself gleaning in the field of a man named Boaz. Now, Boaz is a businessman, and he keeps careful watch on his fields, and 
he notices Ruth, somebody new who's gleaning in his field. She impresses him with her ingenuity and her uh, industriousness. Uh, She works hard. She's a virtuous woman. And what Ruth later learns, I'm well into chapter two now, is uh, Boaz is a near kinsman. He's a relative of Naomi, a kinsman, a a near relative. And to her surprise, he kind of goes the extra mile to protect her and to provide generously for her. He tells some of his field hands, leave a little extra along the edges for Ruth, all right? And one day Ruth goes home to Naomi and she has a a bountiful supply of gleanings from the field. And Naomi, Naomi recognizes this as unusual kindness from Boaz. And she sees, she sees a budding romance. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more of Dr. Ron Jones' message, Ruth, Romance and Redemption. If you're new to the program, we want you to know that we archive all of Ron's messages at our website, somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. And when you stop by, use the Partner tab at the top of the homepage to check out the 828 Club, a special group of people who partner with Ron so that he can keep sharing the truth of God's Word the whole year through. Join the 828 Club from our website or give us a call at 757-276-1099. That's 757-276-1099. Long before there were dating websites, there was a matchmaker in ancient Israel who did her best to put Ruth and Boaz together. Here's Ron with the rest of today's Something Good radio message, Ruth, Romance, and Redemption. Let's pick it up in chapter 3 and verse 1. Listen to what Naomi tells Ruth to do. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter... Should not I seek rest for you that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you serve? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. He's throwing an after work party. Uh, Wash therefore and anoint yourself and put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies, then go and uncover his feet and lie down and he will tell you what to do. And Ruth replied, all that you say I will do. What a strange thing to tell somebody to do. Long before eHarmony and other dating services on the internet, (laughs) Naomi's playing matchmaker here. And she takes matters into her own hands. She encourages Ruth essentially to offer herself to Boaz in marriage. There, There are cultural nuances to unpack here along the way, which we'll do. But but we need to understand the culture that's going on here. She's saying to Ruth, I, I think there's something going on here. I think, I think you've caught Boaz's eye. And she tells her to go down to the threshing floor, to this after-work party. But before you do, you know, clean yourself up, wash yourself up, throw on a little bit of Moab number five so you smell good. <laughs> I mean, Boaz hasn't seen her ever in a pretty dress. She's been gleaning in the fields. She looks like a field hand. She smells like a field hand, but she must be attractive because 
She's caught his eye. And Naomi knows something about the power of attraction. And so she's encouraging Ruth to put her best foot forward to attract a man like Boaz and seal the romantic deal. But Naomi also sees an opportunity to secure Ruth's future and her own. She's very, uh, very wise and very uh, uh, subtle in all of this. When Naomi says to Ruth, my daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? You see, if Boaz chooses to marry Ruth, their union will also ensure her protection and prosperity in perpetuity. And Naomi understands this. Now, it would be incorrect for us to read uh, the beginning of chapter 3 or the balance of chapter 3 and import some kind of eroticism into the scene or to think of Ruth as acting sexually aggressive or provocative. When she shows up at Boaz's room, his chamber, in the middle of the night, and she's there at the foot of his bed, and she pulls back the sheets to expose his feet. What in the world is that all about? Who is this kind of woman? Well, you've got to understand the culture of the time. This was what a woman would do to make herself available to a near kinsman who would redeem her according to the Mosaic law. There's nothing suggestive here. There's nothing erotic here. Ruth is a virtuous woman. And as you read the book of uh, Ruth, especially chapters uh, 2 and 3, you find out that Boaz is nothing less than a Hebrew gentleman. But they're acting within the cultural norms of the day and certainly within uh, the provisions of the Mosaic law. But it is a fascinating study, this part of the book of Ruth is, chapters uh, uh, three and on into chapter four a little bit, when you, when you unpack the cultural nuances. And, and the book of Ruth uh, does not disappoint as a romance novel, but it's not its primary message. In fact, I'm gonna resist the urge to go down that path. I've done it in times past, uh, when I had time to unpack the book of Ruth over five or six weeks, we, we talked about some of the uh, Oh, oh the, the, the ways to glean certain dating and relationship principles that we learn from Ruth and from Boaz who are acting very appropriate with one another but within their cultural understandings of how to court and so on and so forth. I'm gonna resist the urge because I don't have time to unpack all of that but there, there's a secondary uh, thing that we can learn from the book of Ruth. Uh, single adults, uh, single women, single men, you can go back to this 3,000-year-old story, 3,000-and-plus-year-old story, and learn some principles about dating even today. I wish I could go there. I wish I had time, but I don't, because the primary message is, is at a higher uh, level than that. And, um, and we need to get there in uh, chapter 4. Uh, the book of Ruth is a, is a must-stop on the ultimate road trip through the Bible. We're learning that this is one story, one main character, the Lord Jesus Christ. Every book of the Bible points us in the Old Testament to the Christ who is to come. In the New Testament, we look back in faith to the Christ who has come. So how does the book of Ruth, a book about romance and redemption, point us to Christ I will tell you that it has more to say about God's redeeming love for us than it does about Boaz's love for Ruth or Ruth's love for Boaz. And to fully understand that, we need to go deeper into the cultural nuances here. And to what uh, role Boaz was playing 
as what was called then the kinsman redeemer, the near relative. So let's begin in chapter uh, four. Chapter three, actually, let me set this up, ends with Boaz um, understanding Ruth's offer and her request actually to, to redeem her, which involved marrying her and uh, giving her his name, and their children would have his name and would have a future and security and prosperity uh, on into perpetuity as a result of that. But Boaz learns he's not the nearest kinsman. He's not the nearest relative. And in that culture and in the Mosaic law, it was the nearest relative who had the first rights of redemption. Keep that in mind as we go on in chapter 4 where it says, Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there, and behold, the Redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. He's not given a name. He's just a nameless Redeemer, but the nearer kinsman than Boaz. Boaz said to him, Turn aside, friend, and sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he, that is Boaz, took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here. So they sat down. It's almost like a, a, a court scene now. And uh, then he said to the Redeemer, Boaz did, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one beside you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Are you with me still? See what's happening here? There's a bit of a real estate transaction going on, but it comes with a relationship commitment as well. Verse 6, the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Just what does it mean to be a kinsman redeemer? Find out tomorrow when Dr. Ron Jones explains how this love story between Ruth and Boaz ultimately points to our relationship with Christ. You're listening to Something Good Radio with Dr. Ron Jones. Today's message, Ruth, Romance and Redemption, along with all of Ron's messages, can be heard on demand at somethinggoodradio.org. Use the radio tab at the top of the homepage. That's somethinggoodradio.org. While you're there, be sure to check out a discipleship coaching experience developed by Dr. Ron Jones called Starting Point, A Disciple's First Steps. In Starting Point, Ron takes you back to the fundamentals of the Christian faith and helps equip you to fulfill the Great Commission by making disciples of Jesus Christ who go and make disciples. To find Starting Point, A Disciple's First Steps, look for Something Good courses when you visit somethinggoodradio.org. For your gift to Something Good Radio, we'll send you a new resource written by Dr. Ron Jones that goes along with his current series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. It's an ebook based on the Old Testament historical books, Joshua through Esther. This content is available for a limited time to our monthly partners or for anyone who sends a gift today. 
Give online at somethinggoodradio.org. Mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456, or call our offices at 757-276-1099. The near kinsman could not pay in full the redemption price. That's why he says, I can't do this. The law can't save you. You can't save yourself. Only Jesus can redeem us. Only he has deep enough pockets, as it were, to die on the cross for our sins, to shed his blood, and to pay the redemption price in full. And he wasn't, the, uh, he wasn't there because he got on the wrong side of politics and religion. He was there willingly. He willingly went to the cross. And he settled that matter in the Garden of Gethsemane when he prayed, not my will, but thine be done. That's next time when Ron shares part two of his message, Ruth, Romance and Redemption. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.